couple of times a year we take time out to look at what, how we're involved really in, uh, in taking Jesus' name way beyond our own borders. Uh, whether that's you know, beyond the borders of our city and into our nation or into the nations of the world. And, uh, and that's what we want to do today. We really just want to look at how we're involved as a collective in touching our world for the sake of Jesus Christ. And to me, that's always an exciting day. And, uh, and as we approach Mission Sunday, um, uh, it's just interesting because it sort of got po- postponed. It was meant to be earlier in the year. We pushed it back. And to me, it's just got this ring of this is exactly the right time to be talking about this. Because if we aren't aware of our world at the moment... There is something, we are missing something. Um, and, uh, and of course, we've just been through and coming out of, let's hope, yeah. this pandemic that I guess in one sense just underlines the frailty of the human condition. Yeah. If nothing else, I mean, no, no, no matter what you think about it, what it does do for all of us is it just underlines the fact that we're, we're pretty frail. In one sense, humanity is amazing, but it's also vulnerable. Yeah. And, uh, and then, of course, the war in the Ukraine, which if, if it's going to underline anything, I suggest that it sort of underlines humanity's or hum- humankind's inadequacy in addressing its own issues. And, and as much as we could say, yeah, but that's that guy over there or whatever, I mean, history would tell us that yeah. it's just too common a pattern and has happened everywhere somewhere yeah. on some level. It's to do with humanity yeah. and the broken situation. And of course, that's why Jesus came yeah. Yeah. as the hope of humanity, the cross as central to God's healing plan for the world. Yeah. How important that we're talking about it right now. Yeah with this added gravitas right now of not not just a a world that was so prosperous that we didn't have to give thought before we stepped on a plane and went to the other side of the world, but all of a sudden the whole world's changed and we realise just how fragile and how precious it is to prosper, but that we should never assume, like Jesus said to the guy who built the barns, the bigger barns, it's always just going to be good for me, but his life ended that night. And that is the human condition and should remind us this is why we reach out for a saviour. If anyone asks you, why is Jesus relevant today? It's irrelevant, it's old, it's historical. Oh, no, 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 it's right at the centre of what the human heart needs to this day. And I know that these circumstances, I mean, you know, the, the reminder humankind is inadequate in its own strength and power and then the feelings that that probably should engender in the thinking person which aren't always positive because this kind of out of control stuff can make you feel so frustrated come on who's been mad at particular countries in the last couple of days and yet we don't even know the full story I know this uh, being a bit of a student of history there's a lot of history up there <laughs> that we probably don't even understand but it's so easy we just get frustrated we should be that innocent people die and go through the heartache that they do. And it can make you feel overwhelmed. I think it can make you feel very inadequate. So any thinking person, I think, any compassionate person, I would like to think we as Christ followers, you know, you have to ask yourself the question, but what can I do? 
This is so big. This is so beyond the scope of just how I might be able to affect the world. And that's why we can feel overwhelmed. I mean, what can I do in my own strength? And the the correct answer to that, of course, is probably very little. (laughs) Let's just be honest. As awesome as we might be in building a business, in sporting prowess, in creative ability, in whatever we seem to be good at, it seems so totally inadequate of itself. And yet, you know, I look at scripture and, and Bible history, and not just Bible history, but God's involvement in human history to this day reveals God using ordinary people who've often felt inadequate to change the course of events in individuals' lives and in, in literally the destiny of nations. That is the story of the scripture. It's not just the story of the scripture. It has been the story for 2,000 years since Christ is God's ability to get a hold of people just like you and me. I mean, who would have thunk it? And in our inadequacy and in our frustration and in our, I don't know how I can make a change when we open our hearts and allow him to move through us, God is able to do amazing things. And that's indisputable. And one such person we're going to look at today is Moses. He's a great example. And I've taken Moses as our theme for missions this year. And, uh, and of course, our theme overall is reimagine. Uh, and, and this is something we talked about late last year, about what we would be talking about this year. And wow, I mean, I just got, I have a sense that we were prophetic last year. We, were, we couldn't see what was coming really, but I think we might have got this one right. In Exodus chapter 3, we see Moses' call. God calls Moses, this guy Moses who grew up in Pharaoh's house and out of frustration murdered an Egyptian taskmaster to try and bring some relief to his Hebrew brethren and, uh, and then gets basically banished to the backside of the desert and then God calls him to go back as a deliverer. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Here's God giving Moses the mission, okay? Your mission is to go back and let them know I'm with them and lead them out. Okay, lead them out of their oppression, lead them out of their brokenness. And to tell you the truth, the commission that's given to, to, to Moses, far from being some ancient, distant discourse, is the exact mission that Christ gave to the church 2,000 years ago and to each one of us today. It's recorded in Matthew 28. Go out into all the world and preach good news, preach freedom. Everywhere you go, I'll be with you. Baptize them. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do all things. And all of that has got nothing to do with establishing a worldwide religion called Christianity. Everything that has to do is about restoring the image of God in God's image bearers so that this whole world would become a very different place. Paul puts it this way in the book of Romans. This whole world groans. The whole world is groaning 
under the weight of sin and under the power of the evil one. What's it groaning for? It's not actually even groaning for the return of Jesus Christ. This world is groaning for the revealing of the sons of God. In other words, for God's people to be the people he's called us to be. To go, to reflect, to live, to speak, to think the way that Jesus would have. That's God's solution for the world. But isn't it an interesting thing? Israel's praying, 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 praying that God will deliver them. So God sends a man, a person, but not just any person, someone who felt totally inadequate, totally overwhelmed by the commission. And that's probably the best part of this story. And we've got to understand for Jesus and for us as a church, The mission, the great commission to take the good news to the edges of the planet. It's not peripheral to Jesus. It's not an optional extra. Missions, what we call making Jesus famous in that sense, it's not an add-on. It's not a plug-in that you can get optionally with the program. It is the central core thing. Ultimately, Jesus Christ himself is the ultimate missionary. Who came, went from heaven. I will go. (laughs) Scripture records it. Send me. And Jesus came. And now he sends us. The story picks up in Exodus chapter 4. You okay? You doing okay? Exodus chapter 4 verse 1. Moses answered, (laughs) What if they do not believe me or listen to me? Who's ever felt that way? (laughs) You want to be a missionary in your marketplace? Come on, who's ever felt? What if they don't listen? Actually, we're probably more afraid of what if they reject me? What if they won't talk to me again? And the Lord did not, and, and then they say to me, the Lord did not appear to you. In other words, your testimony is a lie, Moses. Then the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? The theme for this year, what's that? You inadequate person, and I'm pointing at myself. (laughs) You overwhelmed person, you frustrated, distressed person who's really wondering what impact your life could have in the world. What's that in your hand? Don't run over there to do this and run over there to do that. Do you think God doesn't know what he's doing? He's already equipped you. If you've got a God story, you've got it. You can enhance it, you can develop it, you can train your gift, etc. But ultimately, every one of us with the Jesus story has something immediately. And this biblical story, this concept is repeated again and again and again. Because we know there's nothing new under the sun, true? Nothing surprises God. And this story of inadequacy meets God's empowerment. And even with reticence, even with fear, a little bit of obedience turns into something amazing that the world has seen again and again and again. The call to serve God, funnily enough, and this is a common thread, surfaced every inadequacy... (laughs) 
in Moses. As soon as the call came, God, I want you to do something, Moses. We come up with every excuse, don't we? You want me to do what? Come on, who's ever said to God, you want me to do what? Sometimes we're saying it to our pastor or to a life group leader or to, you know, a a musical head or wherever we're serving, a kid's church leader. You want me to do what? Hey, come on, you've got it in your hand. You've already got it. You're already adequate with his strength because in my weakness, he is made strong this story goes on to show that what was in Moses hand had more potential than he'd ever dreamed I mean how common is this story the feeling of inadequacy God calling us to rise what have I got what could I do how could I contribute to a world that has gone crazy and yet we all have stuff in our hand I'll give you a a common example, okay? Uh, here's, a, here's a monetary one. This is a good one. Uh, you know what $30 can do in Sri Lanka is actually get a pastor to a two-day discipleship conference where he learns how to disciple better or he brings key leaders and does that. And we can even feed them for that. 30 bucks. What do you got in your hand? Because that person could end up in their journey leading 20 people to Christ. Who all lead three people to Christ. Who all lead one person to Christ. And all of a sudden, maybe you've affected with 30 bucks the eternal destiny of 150 people. And their life experience here. In becoming reflectors. Becoming someone that all creation is groaning to see revealed now that's pretty powerful and that's just something some of us might have in our hand so instead of looking at what we don't have the inadequacy we look at what we do have and that's why I want to talk to us about reimagining what's in our hand let's reimagine what's actually in our hand and I know this morning as I speak to us I'm speaking to so many of the converted so many of us have just been involved in missions for that long that It's just what we do. And I actually think in that sense, without it becoming something we become indifferent to, that's where God wants every Christian, every one of his people to be. This is not a peripheral thing. This is not something I dip in and dip out of. This is not something that I option. This is part of the centrality of what it means to be a a son or daughter of God that is revealing God's goodness. I have a heart for what God has a heart for, and that is a lost and hurting world. And I know I'm not trying to convince people in this place because this has always been a great missions church, missions focused But that's why it's important for us to talk about it today. Reimagine what's in your hand because there's provision. There is provision in your hand. Uh, You know, the story goes on in verses 2 and 5. You know, Moses answers, what what have I got in my hand? I've got a staff. It was probably a shepherd's staff, but what that would have looked like pretty well. I mean, they didn't have, you know, fancy fiberglass ones that they manufactured. It would have looked like a stick. I've got a staff. It was either a shepherd, bit of a shepherd's, because he was a shepherd, or maybe even just a walking stick. I've, I've got a stick. <laughs> and God says, throw it on the ground. Of course, the miraculous 
begins to happen as he throws it on the ground in obedience in other words as he gives away what he has in his hand it turns into something far more than what he had in his hand and he runs away from it and then God says pick it up again so okay obediently I'll pick it up again it becomes a stick again but what it showed Moses was there is far more potential in my hand with me plus God is a majority that's what he was learning and so there is provision in your hand no matter what you think it looks like to Moses it was a stick but to God's people it became a rod of deliverance it parted the sea it opened the rock and water flowed out it becomes something so much more when God got on what Moses had in his hand so what's in your hand what's at your hand as I said just talking monetarily, 30 bucks will retrain a Sri Lankan pastor or key leader to actually probably reach more people. Here's, the, here's why we do discipleship training. Because the classic cycle for churches in the developing nation and our own nation, if people haven't broken through, is that they start so small, the pastor thinks he's got to do everything. He grows the thing to 30 people or 60 people, then he burns out. The church shrinks back to 10 and they find another guy to send to the firing squad. What discipleship training does is break that cycle and they begin to build people who come alongside them and build team and you get the guy instead of burning out five years later is planting more churches with other people that actually know how to sustain ministry over the long term. That's why we do it. So just so that we know the backstory to why we do what we do. Um, we do it in the Philippines. We do it all over the place. So uh, there is provision already in your hand. Here's another thing. There's qualification. For those of us who feel disqualified, which is pretty easy to feel disqualified, there is qualification. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. In other words, he feels totally inadequate, totally disqualified. But literally, remember God's first question, what have you got in your hand? Because he had something in his hand, God was going to qualify the rest. It was that simple. Often we're like, God, if you give me something, I'll do something. No, you do something that qualifies you. And so Moses is like, now he's got to find excuses. But actually the calling was the qualification. Here's a great little scripture for us. New Testament, 2 Timothy 1.9. Talking about God who has saved us. Listen to it. And called us. So never feel as, as a Christian. You know, if, it doesn't matter how lowly you might feel as a Christian. Oh, I'm not much of a Christian. <laughs> Whatever, I don't know. Never think you're not called. Yeah, come on. Never look at someone up here and go, oh, they're obviously called. <laughs> no. If you've got a Jesus story, yeah. you're already called. Yeah. Okay? God's already saying to you, what's in your hand? Yeah. Okay? I've saved you. In other words, I'm making you complete. Zozo. I'm bringing you to a place of wholeness. Now, while you're coming to a place of wholeness, I'm calling you. Yeah. What's in your hand? I've never been so much, over the years, just watched it, how sometimes brand new Christians who know absolutely nothing 
are the best evangelists Jesus ever had. Because <laughs> they just sort of get it. I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, it was like, I just knew in an instant, this was not about attending church. This was not about sitting and warming a pew. I'm not intimating any of us doing that, but you know what I mean. I was sitting there right from the early days thinking, I need to do something with my life. I was saved and I was called, and so are you, each and every one of us. The calling was the qualification. I love it. You know, I had a friend, he was a previous pastor in this church, actually, a previous assistant pastor many years ago, and uh, he was an ex-motorbike cop. And, uh, and I remember as a young bloke, because I was a pretty young bloke way back then, in 1989 or 1988, when I first came to New Hope, and um, uh, I remember saying to him, as a motorbike cop, having a bit of a dig at him, and it was like, you know, I got, as a young bloke, you know, pre-Jesus, because the car went pretty soon after Jesus. Now it's come back, but I haven't been booked since. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I'd be in a line of traffic and we'd all be speeding. And some copper would pull me up. What's with that? How do you deal with that? And he said, yeah, no, people would say that. They'd say, but everyone was speeding. And he'd simply say, but I chose you. <laughs> everyone was speeding, but I chose you. The calling is there. And it's not because you're adequate. And it's not because you were driving different to everyone else. If you've got a Jesus story, you know you're called. He went, I want you. Why not them? Don't you worry about them. I called you. And the answer, sorry, there is an answer to prayer. So there's qualification and there's an answer to prayer. You know, for 400 years, Israelite slaves had cried out to God to deliver them. And Moses was the answer. He was actually an Israelite. Of course, we know the story. And part of his brethren's story was crying out for God to deliver them. And isn't it interesting that God used one of them? And and so often we can cry and we can pray, we can believe that God will do something out there somewhere and use someone. And, and, And what this shows us is, man, we have things in our hand which could make us the answer to our own prayers. Instead of just praying something happens, but actually being part of the answer of letting people know that this is how God feels about you. He loves you so much that he was prepared to take all of your broken issues upon himself, even to the point of killing him, so that he could extend a hand and you would know there's nothing you need to do but open your heart. That's the gospel. The price is paid. The way is open. The door has swung wide. That's our message. Come on, if you've got a Jesus story, that's your story, isn't it? Right, even this little bloke up here just realises, I mean, how awesome was that? But he just realises... God's got a plan for my life and I want to fulfill it. (laughs) Wow. He's going to be the answer. I guarantee that kid is going to be the answer. 
to someone's prayer. I think all of creation just stopped for a moment as those people stood on the platform and went, this is what we're waiting for. The revealing of the sons of God. Just two more is two less that are determined to tear the world apart. So he's actually the answer to his own prayer. And when we pray, it's a mistake not to consider it might be us. So let's have a quick look at your involvement, our involvement as a collective. I'm just going to skip through a few things. Got a little slide thing to show us, and then I'm going to ask us some questions. In Sri Lanka, of course, I've already mentioned discipleship training and also right through COVID humanitarian response. Oh, okay. Let's watch this. people were uh, all victims of cyclone of typhoon rye up in the philippines and uh and here's the point i wanted to make with that quick slideshow they weren't stock images they were people we fed they're actually the people some of them just some of them i mean there's many many hundreds but that's just those faces are people you've touched simply by Choosing to use what's in your hand. Yeah. I mean, we put a call out to the church and within a week or t- 10 days, we actually had gathered like 14 and a half, or I, I forget the exact figure, but it was over $14,000 wow. that were able to just send up an immediate aid. And that was on top of what we'd already done through COVID, which was turn the great bulk of our discipleship expenses into simple humanitarian aid because they're in a much bigger mess than we were. Not being able to get food, water, access to any sort of medical help for many people. And we had a major response there just for the last two years. Is that okay, church, if we've been on a humanitarian mission? For, yeah. Sounds a bit like Jesus to me. Yeah. And we've been the sa- exactly the same in Sri Lanka, doing exactly the same thing, converting the bulk of our funds. But discipleship stuff has continued online. And it's also still been reaching through Peter Patterson, who's back now in country, has been reaching online into Bangladesh. So, you know, that's part of what we've been part of in this last little season. And when I go to, uh, and, and, you know, well, before we leave the Philippines too, let's skip back. I mean, many people here have compassion kids. And just have compassion kids on our fridge and we pray for them. And of course we know we we don't just change a child's life but it actually really changes a family's life and if we get enough of those families in the same little area we can actually change a whole community's life it's just an amazing thing to be part of and that just goes on week in week out you know often we have i've collect we have collectors come to our door like you do and we've got this thing going and whatnot and it's like 
you know, my standard answer is now for almost all things is I'm sorry, I'm already totally committed to a charity. And sometimes, you know, they look at you a bit like you, tight, stingy thing. Won't even give two bucks. And it's like, well, I'd rather give every week what's in my hand than give it once every month or two when you turn up and put a dollar in the bucket. Like, honestly, I'd, I've invested my life into this, so I don't feel bad at all about saying no. So I don't just do it. When the opportunity arises, we do it week in, week out. And then when the opportunity arises, we raise major funds. Afghanistan. Remember the Afghanistan crisis? And we're still working, partnering with our organisation nationally um, with Christian workers. And what's happened there is lots of those workers we were getting out. And I heard one, I've I've got stuff that I can't share. Okay, I can't share it publicly. But there are exciting stories and crazy stories. One family that we were able to get across the border had 19 people. All Christian people. And lots of them are refusing to leave across the border because they've built churches there. They've loved people there. They've sacrificed there for years. So they're, they're willing, they want to be hidden in country until the Taliban have finished their activities in that area so they can re-emerge and keep the church going. I think people like that are worthy of support. I think they're the kind of people that all creation is groaning to see. And, and we get to be a part, a very real part, because we put, put the call out and within two weeks or something like that, we'd put $45,000 on the ground. So, and both of these things happened pretty close together. So, within a couple, two months or something, we'd raised $60,000 and got it on the ground to people who can actually put it on the ground without admin fees and help people like that. Can I just say, well done? And the thing that interests me about it, most of it's stuff that we wouldn't have even heard about or had any connection to if we weren't actually doing this as a collective. It's that opportunity, that ability to take teams overseas, to make key partnerships, to even be involved with our movement of churches here in Australia who have people on the ground. Two of the people that are helping in Afghanistan, both of them have been there 30 years as Westerners, living in the mountains of Afghanistan, ministering to Afghani people. They're worthy of support. The people, we, they're heroes we would not even hear about other than the fact we're able to really make an effective effort collectively. So thanks, everyone. Look what we're doing with what's in our hand. And I tell you what, now's not the time to stop. That's my thought. Now's not the time to stop. Honestly, uh, you know, COVID has been difficult or whatever, but if nothing else, we've probably got a bit of energy after it. We just don't think we have. But most of us haven't been anywhere near as busy as what we've been. Can't travel, can't even do holidays. I reckon now's the time to go for it. And for two years, we've been talking about, in our, for our missions program and our mission strategy team, been talking about pulling some support back for Australia and making a focus on church planning in Australia because these are our people. And so uh, I'm really excited to announce our partnership with Luke Kennedy, Pastor Luke Kennedy, who's been pastoring up, uh, he was one of the one of the young guys in the church here. 
went up to Japan. He's been planting. Uh, he planted Osaka and Kobe, and you know has been instrumental in the Lifehouse movement. Is on his way back to Australia somewhere in the middle of the year. He's already launched online. He's going to plant a church into Brisbane called Future Church, and um, I'm on his board already. Uh, we're using our church administration covering to cover him until he gets here. And, uh, and we would love to help Luke launch in strength into Brisbane and reach out beautiful people too. Because everyone's, every nation are beautiful people. How exciting is that? And so uh, I think now it's not the time to back off. It's the time to reimagine what's in our hand. I might feel inadequate. It might all seem too big. What difference is this going to make? No, no, no. No. What have you got in your hand? Yes. You know, we know our strategy is pray, give, go. You've got some time to pray. If you're too busy to pray for the world, you're too busy. Yes. <laughs> you pray. We can give. We live in the top 1% of the most wealthy people in the world. Even if you're probably doing it a bit tough in Australia, you're still doing okay by the world standards. We have something in our hand to give. And as things open up, and they are, then I think we need to plan to go again. Get on the field, take teams on the field, and reawaken our heart for the nations. Because for the last two years, it's been shelter in place. (laughs) And we need to awaken our heart for a world that God loves and desperately wants to reach through the sons of God. And sons is a positional thing, not a gender thing. So girls, you're sons. If the boys get to be brides, you get to be sons, okay? So let's ask just a couple of questions. The first one is the most obvious question. (laughs) We've got to ask ourselves, what have I got in my hand? What have I got in my hand? Stop, think about it. We're in the most affluent 1% in the world. And that's probably including time. We don't have to dig for our water. We don't have to cart our water. We turn a tap on and it comes out. We don't need to go to the river to wash. We, we turn a tap on and generally warm water comes out. What have we got in our hand? We're educated. We're gifted. We're talented in so many ways. What have we got in our hand? How am I responding to the calling specifically? I mean, come on, let's just take a moment and be just honest with ourselves. Otherwise, you know, if, if this doesn't somehow challenge us to, to change on one degree, it's been a waste of time. But how am I responding personally, specifically to the call of God? What's my part to play? What, what, what am I doing that I wouldn't be doing if I hadn't met Jesus? That might be a way to put it. Meeting Jesus changed the way I operated. So how are we responding to the calling? How much thought do I give to the mission of Christ? And then lastly, whose prayer am I the answer to right now? Whose prayer am I the answer to? I mean... You know, Moses goes into God or God comes to Moses and, and Moses is Israelite background. He knows the pain of his people. 
He desperately tried to rescue them once and it went pear-shaped. So I'm sure Moses was just crying out, God, you've got to do something. You've got to do something with this mess. And all of a sudden Moses realised it was him. Come on, whose answer to prayer are you? And I think the whole world is looking for answers, even if they don't know it. I've always believed that. But you know, this last season, if, if nothing else, it, it's probably helped a lot of Aussies realise that the great Australian dream doesn't necessarily deliver. Yeah. If the great Australian dream, and, and I, I know we've often said that's housing, that's, that's being reduced, I think, now to I want to retire with enough money to not have to do anything and I can play. But people have had a bit of time, a lot of people have had a bit of time to play and realised it doesn't deliver. Yeah. And I, I just sense a return to spirituality and openness, not necessarily Christianity, but the desire for deeper answers. And man, we are positioned yeah. with a Jesus story. That's what qualifies us yeah. in our workplace, in our school, our university, in your family, in your friendship group. Wherever it is, we are placed to answer those questions. Because we can, you know, one answer could be, you know, I don't know much. I don't know the ins and outs of it all. All I know is Jesus touched me and now I can see. I see this world clearer than I ever did. Whose answer to prayer are we? Would you stand with me? Let's stand together. I, I know I've gone over a little bit. I think that's important to talk about, don't you? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and church, just thank, thank you. It's always difficult. I never want to sound like I'm here and you're there. It's like it's us. And, and I just, I'm just so thankful. When I look at what the little, you know, and I haven't shared everything we've been able to do this last year, but when I look at it, it just makes me so thankful that we've at least in part been able to bring some peace and some healing and literally some life to people who might not have had an option otherwise. And I, I think that pleases the heart of God. So can I pray for you? Pray for us. As a church, Father, as your people gathered, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for what Jesus did, how he modelled it to leave what he had and bring it to us and Lord help us in some way in our capacity, our level in the scope of our opportunity help us to say yes and trust that in our inadequacy your power moves when we release faith that you're with us in it that you're able to do supernatural things and our inadequacy becomes your super adequacy. Help us live that way, Father, from day to day. Help us live with our neighbours that way. Help us live in our schools, our marketplaces, our mums groups, wherever we find ourselves. Help us live that way. Trusting you and reflecting who you are to our world. You know, right now, you might be here with us, either in the room or online, 
And maybe you've never experienced the love of God like I've been talking about. I've been talking really, really practical ways. But without a doubt, the most powerful way you experience the love of God is when you understand that He loves you and you open your heart to embrace that fact. When you do that, you realise that there's no barriers between you and God. He's given you forgiveness. He's offered it freely. He's offered an open channel of communication and He's just looking for our consent. He's just looking for us to open our hearts. Friends, you can do it right now. Just in the room, right where you are. Just You can make your peace with God, so to speak. You can open your heart. Welcome Jesus into your life. Just say, God, come into my life. I need you. I want you in my life. I want to follow you. Whatever that means, I'm going to trust you. In the room, online. I tell you what few people do that it'll have been a great mission Sunday because that's what mission is all about thanks Pastor Sue